0: Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, thank you for this time where we find ourselves once again in the house of God, having a seat among the people of God, those who love you and welcome your instruction to our lives and to our hearts. Your word being a lamp unto our feet that directs our path with light that we not stumble. We know that the enemy comes in like a flood, but you will lift up a standard against him, Lord. You will raise up your banner that we belong to you. We pray that this morning your word would continue to be a good seed planted in good hearts that will give forth good fruit. We pray, Lord, that we welcome your word into our lives. That we not sin and err against you. Give us wisdom and understanding. Allow us to see your hand in our lives and you direct our steps, Lord. We pray that you bless the word, that it would come as a double edged sword and cut away from our lives things that do not belong, sharp and living. We pray, Father God, that we might be inspired and equipped and edified through your word. Pray that the Holy Spirit place a, uh, an imprint of the heartbeat of God into our lives so that we could stay the course and not waver. That your word, Father, would produce fruit that would glorify you. And we pray in Jesus' name that you be glorified through our lives and that Satan, soon he knows that he is, his time is coming to an end. We pray, Father God, that the church would rise up in this season and be ready for the task at hand, that you make us the head and not the tail, that no weapon, you say in your word, formed against us should prosper, and that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church which you build, Lord. So make us strong, make us bold, encourage us through your word, give us understanding, and advance your kingdom through our lives. That we might place your matters and business as a priority to our lives. And that we might hear your voice even now as we hear this message. Be glorified, Lord. This we pray in Jesus' name. And the people of God say amen. Amen. We, we have a a, to, a a terrible expression of devotion with respect to the commitment in the house of God, I believe it's due to the fact that that many do not equate the weight and the substance of the things forgiven us by God. Uh, What I have here is as a result of God's attention, the Bible describes it as his love, He has paid the full debt of our sins and our uh, balance before God. So now there's a zero balance. There's nothing owed. And this is one of the things that I attribute to the passion I have for Christ. And it is this. To him who much is forgiven... He loveth much. And, and if you haven't been forgiven much, or you haven't equated the things that have been forgiven, nothing has happened. But I, I believe that the forefront of the day I came to the altar to give my heart to the Lord, I was in my heart, in my thoughts, in my conscience, there was a huge load of boxcar like a train that has these boxcars that follow it i had miles and miles long of things that that i knew i was wrong before god there was a conscience that that i owed a horrible debt i could never pay that i was i was destined to hell to the torment of eternal fires Of a worm that does not die. Of not only being delivered from hell and death, but the doors of heaven were opened and a welcome. The welcome that was received by the prodigal son who says, I'm not worthy to be a son anymore. I will be a servant. He was willing now to take the lowest place on his father's farm. Because of the debt of his rebellion, his arrogance, his pride, his rejecting the Father's love. He just started, And if you start enumerating all the things that are on the balance that he paid in full. And so I don't know that we can say that we're suffering the last days, a horrible sense of entitlement. Like, like, I deserve heaven. Uh, I was on a trip to Poland with Pastor Richie. And we spent many hours in that tube in the sky, the airplane. And I was talking to a young man. And I was trying to, to convey the understanding that who am I that God would think about me and bring a man like Richie to my life to tell me about Christ? That, to that event alone to me is a glorious time and season where I attribute to God what he's done from his side towards me as an object of his love and devotion. And, and I'm overwhelmed and I've been overwhelmed since the first day of why me Lord and why you why did you go so far? Why did you send your son to die on the cross? He was a lamb without sin from the beginning of creation. Why did he have to take upon himself the payment of my sentence? And then you start enumerating all these things. And I was telling that young man these these thoughts. Almost to convey Who are you that in this airplane towards Poland where he was going to stay one day? He was just going to go one day, watch a museum, and fly back the same day. But there was a divine appointment. Men of God were on that airplane, and for eight hours, we spoke to him about the Lord. And when I was doing that, he turns around, and he tells me like this, but you're not seeing it right. I go, what do you mean I'm not seeing right? He goes, yeah. Pastor Richie owes you to have listened to him. I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah. Because if you didn't listen to them, then he wouldn't have a disciple. And I looked at that young man and I said, you are crazy in your head. Because I owe the sense of gratitude, not him. But we're living in a generation where people think that they are owed gratitude and they owe no gratitude. And I'm overwhelmed because I'm thinking, wait a second, did we run into the same Christ? Did we run into the same message? I'm eternally grateful for God. Not God owes me gratitude because I listen to the gospel. And so we're living in a generation where they have it upside down. You owe it to me that I would come to your church. I'm like, what? There's something wrong in the mix. And it'll give you wrong fruit. be part of the kingdom of God because my Bible says because they were not thankful and did not glorify him the wrath of God comes upon those without gratitude so my concern this morning and forgive my shouting I just think if I'm loud maybe you hear it better it could be that you were never You never went to that first place to understand the incredible debt that was paid on your behalf by the blood of the Lamb. And so begin to understand, and I don't even know how to do it correctly, but we can start here in Colossians 2.13. This is just the beginning, scratching the surface. We were dead in the amount of times that we crossed the boundaries of God's righteousness. It, it wasn't just like, oops, I messed up. No, you dove head first in the depth of rebellion, disobedience, and defiance, and the unsome circumcision of your flesh. There was nothing in your life that marked you belonging to God because circumcision is you say Lord I am your chosen one. He now has made us alive. We went from death to life because of what God did. Having forgiven all trespasses what what he did on the cross was that everything you owed to God he paid for and so now what, what has to exist if the first part is wholesome if it's healthy if it went well then there's a debt debt i thought he paid it all he paid it all and as a result of him paying it all now you have a debt of gratitude that that it's compelled and flows from you in an unbelievable sense that he made you sit at the table you were going to be flushed down the toilet And he worked his incredible provision of redemption. So now you're not only not being flushed down the toilet going to hell, but you're sitting at the table and you're dressed in garments of royalty. And you're like sitting here like saying, I hope they don't find out who I really was because I don't belong here. No, you belong here because he saved you by his grace by by something that's amazing grace it's spectacular but we would have to enumerate where would i be without christ coming into my life what would have been my life without his love and so there, having forgiven you And I hope you do this. I hope you bring every single one of your transgressions and sins and pornographic past to be washed by the blood of the Lamb. Everything wiped out, everything cleaned. Because if the devil happens to say, you are sinister, you are wicked because of this, 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 he starts enumerating your sins, your rebellion, your privacy. Of everything you've done against God. The the message is. He washed away. All my sins. Every single last one of them. From the smallest microscopic. To the largest expression of rebellion. Washed by the blood of the lamb. And look what it says verse 14. He took every charge. He wiped out. Every handwriting of the charges the devil had against you. Why well, I say there they're cart box carts of miles of sin in my life that I could enumerate that were thoughts that were twisted, words that were twisted, actions that were total expressions. Of incredible craziness against God. Maybe not against this world. Maybe not against some of the people that deserve our wrongful acts. But no, everything that was charged against us was wiped out. The Bible says, as if you had never sinned. Wash white as snow. If your sins are red as scarlet. God is prepared in Christ to wipe it all away. You you got to enumerate this. You you got to go there. You, you, You can't be above this because then you get a wrong result. And you think God owes you something. And that's a wicked mindset. And, and also, if you're coming to worship God with any other pretext, it's wrong. You're coming to the house of God is not because you have to. It's based on your response of what he's done for you. I asked the Lord that many years ago. I was in Moody Bible College at a pastor's conference I was with Pastor Palma, and I said, Lord, why the passion? Why the intensity? Yesterday at the wedding reception, I was laying heavy into a witch. She's like, you calling me a witch? I go, yeah. You've stuck your tongue out at me three times. I'm a man of God, and you're rebellious. She's like, nobody's ever told me that. Well, maybe it's your opportunity to repent. Maybe it's your opportunity to respect the man of God upon the face of the earth, whose job it is to preach the gospel. And so, Lord, why the intensity? Why the passion? And in in Chicago, at the Moody Pastors Bible, I asked them that. Lord, why am I not like the rest of your people? Why, Why aren't other people so intense as I am? And he said like this, Because you're overwhelmed by my love. What I've done for you, people hasn't understand. I've done it for them too. So if God has done for me what he's done for you, why aren't you on fire for God? And that's the premise for the life in Christ. And I'll have to say that in the house of God, people have yet to know Then it's been paid in full. they yet to have come to that place of accounting. Because if you don't come to that place, then you don't get the fruit of having been there. And then you don't have a debt of gratitude. You stay home when you should be in the house of God with his people as he says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves as others have done by custom, spurring each other up to good works and love. The purpose of coming to the house of God is not because I have to, not because I want to impress people, not because I'm obligated, not because it's imposed, but because I owe it to God to be a thousand percent into his affairs. Not because other people do, hey, is other people gonna come? I don't know what other people are gonna do. I know what he has done. He's paid it in full, there's a zero balance, and I owe. A huge debt of gratitude to my God there in Genesis 39 we see this happening in the life of Joseph I think it's verse 9 where the question comes why don't you sleep with me Potiphar's wife is is saying look you're young and good-looking and I'm older and good-looking and so this is a match made in hell why aren't we engaging and you know why he did not have sex with that woman? Not because she wasn't good looking. Not because there was not sexual attraction. But the Bible says this carried on for a couple of days. It wasn't just one time. She was egging them on for a long time. And his response of not engaging in sexual enterprise, immorality, he says, there's no one greater than, in this house than I. Nor has the Master kept anything back from me but you, you're his wife. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? I, I can't live as if God had not moved in my life. I can't pretend. That there's not that factor that creates a longing to be faithful to the one who paid it all. And so if we don't have that transaction in an exchange spiritually, then we don't have the life to withstand the corruption of this world. The Bible says in the last days, That men will be lovers of themselves. If you're a lover of yourself. You can't love the one who forgave you. The. the, Where your treasure is. There your heart is also. What is the value. You place on what God has done. At the cross for you. Because you're going to stand before God. And you're going to have to give an answer. To what pays the depth of your depravity and sin. Um, the Bible talks about a seared conscience where you're unaware of the fact that you're a transgressor, that you're wicked, that you're totally degenerate, deserving nothing of heaven. And you might be thinking you're entitled to sit with the king at the king's table because you owe nothing i I think for the most part a preacher's job is to bring you to that consciousness so the, the the conviction of the holy spirit through our words bring you to the place where you say you know god you're right i'm wrong let god be true and every man a liar Let's not deceive ourselves. In the last days, men will be full of deception. They will be corrupt, lovers of themselves. The Bible says that the love of many will grow cold. They will forget about their gratitude. Uh, I, I had the experience about four years ago. I represented a man with three life sentences in Florida. And these penalties of his criminal sentence would have caused a criminal attorney to charge grievous amounts of monies to keep him out of jail. And, and so we moved in the direction of representing him and through God's grace and goodness and legal savvy, we were able to get all three charges thrown out. Six months later, the prosecutor would announce we're not going to prosecute this case. There's been sufficient evidence and legal work where we don't feel comfortable to go forward. And we're dropping all the charges. And so this man who has three life sentences, I, I tore the page out of the judge's calendar on that day. And I say here you are the defendants name. Here's the criminal case. Here's the three charges Put this in a frame in your house Because you would have been sitting in jail for the rest of your life, but God came in and defended your case And I didn't charge him a penny And so it was only a couple of months that would pass And he would totally forget. And continue life as if that did not happen. And that's an earthly debt. But you who sit there have an eternal debt of damnation. And Christ came in and says, I'll take his place. I'll take his place. So I'm going to have to grab a page out of the Bible where it says he paid all our debt 1 Peter 2.24 he bore upon himself who himself by himself bore our sins on his own body on that cross that we died to sins might now live for righteousness and through his stripes we are healed So this this is the awful thing that has taken place in the church in our day no one is told to come to Christ not come to Christ because he's a good God and a prince of peace and the Lord of lords come to Christ Because he's the one that took your place on the cross. He's the one that washes your sins. He's the one who they put a crown of thorns on his head and nails in his hands. And they stripped him of his clothes and he hung naked on the cross for you. For you. Boy, your sins upon himself. And so in this manner we have Hebrews 1.3 where it says he had by himself purged the sins and now sits at the right hand of the majesty on high. So this exchange, and again, I don't know to what extent we're willing to go there to have that place of an exchange where you understand First John 2.2, 2, he is the appropriation of our sins, not only ours, but the whole world. He took the sins of the world upon his shoulders at the cross. The, the, the devil had an opportunity to grab you by the throat and, and dip you in the profound waters of hell backlash of your transgressions before God in a horrible existence which I wish I could describe better. The torment, The Bible says the gnashing of teeth the cries of hell that are a reminder that you and I belong there. You and I belong there. We were Perpetual puppets of the devil doing his work. Rebelling against God in arrogance, in pride, in disobedience. and disobedience. In every manner of thought and expression contrary to the spirit of grace. And there Christ came and took your place. And so that's the joy of the gospel, the good news of the gospel, the announcements of Christ. We can say now... Psalm 122, verse 1. I rejoice with those who said, let us go into the house of the Lord. My my attitude changed about how I participate in spiritual matters because it's not on the basis of accomplishing something, trying to prove something. No, in response... what's already been done. I rejoice when they tell me let's go to the house of the Lord. Let's go serve our God. Let's rejoice that we who were destined to awful condemnation. Now it says there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. That wasn't automatic. Something happened. Conversations I have constantly. I said it last night to Mr. Carroll. I said, your daughter and Georgie's life didn't just happen. There was intervention of a place called Spring of Life. Of a church that they came into. And for years, they have been sowing, perfecting, and preparing themselves For this glorious expression of the goodness of God. You can't say, oh, that's a good thing. No, it's a good thing that happened in a good place. And it should be held in high honor. And then I went around to the rest of the husbands and wives and I said, what that is happening here today do you not want for your children? And they all said, we want this for our children then honor the place where this happens. Honor the house. Treat it with some semblance of value. You can't if you don't. That's why the atheists have a hard time in believing that God exists because they don't want to attribute anything that they receive to the God who gives it to them. Because God has been good to us since our first breath. And He continues to be good even while we were yet sinners, the Bible says, he gave his son. He was being good to us way before we were knowing he was being good to us. He loved us first. That's how come we love him. So my job this morning is to get you to understand. Let's go back to the beginning. Because if the beginning is not wholesome and healed, then the latter portion is defective. And your worship is is lame compared to what God has done and what God expects. Because my Bible reads, to him whom much is given, a little bit is expected. Much is expected. If he deposited, he wants a return on his deposit. And this has become the the task at hand in our generation where there's a sense of entitlement. Richie you owe it to me. To have come to the Lord. You got to be wicked. You got to be insane. I'm laying my life down for you. The sense of gratitude is not. I should be grateful. Because I have someone to lay my life to. No. What's been deposited. Is what. Co- causes there to be a debt. Here. Here. Jesus tries to describe this to one of the religious leaders of his day, to one of the Pharisees. In Luke chapter 7, verse 36, one of the Pharisees came to eat with Jesus, and he went into the Pharisee's house, and he reclined at the table. Verse 37, now there was a woman in the city who was known as a sinner. When she found out that he was reclining at the Pharisee's house, Found out Jesus was there, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume, costly. Verse 38: standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began wetting his feet with her tears and wiping with her hair her head and respectfully kissing his feet as an act of affection and submission and anointing them with the perfume. See, this is beautiful. Because she's not doing this to get something. And maybe your worship is, Lord, I'm coming to church. And since I'm coming to church, I'm expecting something. No, he's already given it ahead of time. We can expect that because he gave ahead of time, he also will give us all things freely, the Bible says. But the purpose and the motive of our worship Is because of what we've already received. If you transacted in a manner that was appropriate. So she's sitting there. Verse 39, the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw what was happening and said to himself, be careful what you say to yourself. If this man were a prophet, he would know who sat and what sort of woman this was touching him She is notorious in the city as a sinner and this is the glorious expression of Jesus who could read the thoughts of a man's heart and he saw what the man was thinking and he sees what you're thinking right now too well, how come when people say the church is expecting uh, me to do this Uh, One man came in here and says, you expect me to come to all the services. I'm going to leave the church because I'm going to go to a church where they don't care if I show up or not. Oh, you're saying you want to go to a dead church. Because as long as you're in a living church, the people that are our church are going to want to ask why your debt of gratitude is not at the level it should be. Because of what Christ has done, is doing, and it promised to do for you throughout. Your, your act of worship is based on you going there. Not for me. People think they're doing me a favor. You're not doing me a favor by coming to the house of God to worship your God. That's what I'm doing. I'm here with my family because I've made sure that my wife and my children know how much Christ means to me. I In my lifetime... I have to pour into my children that the goodness of our family and the blessing of our family is owed to God. To His goodness and mercy. Not to my hard work and getting up early and going to be the best that I can. No. To the mercies of God who remembered me. He was there when there was nothing there. And he's still here now, taking care of us. I've made sure my children know that our blessing is not coming from a business endeavor or industry. That their dad is not savvy and capable. That the mercies of God accompany us all the days of the life. And he says, therefore, I will dwell in the house of the Lord Forever. It's, it's, it's the byproduct. Of what happened at the front end. And I hope. And pray every day. That my grandchildren. Will hear this message. And will be able to say. My father's father. Honored the God of heaven. Because his bounty and goodness. Was always upon us. And not Divert any attention to any other place when they tried to do this here in Isaiah 27, 9. When the people of Israel tried to attribute their prosperity and increase to another cause, God says, therefore, by this, the iniquity of Jacob will be covered. I will forgive their sins if they take away. And and this is all the fruit taking away his sin When he makes all the stones of the altars to idols like chalk stone. That they be beaten to dust. The wooden images, the incense altars shall not stand. What's this mean? Don't go to other places to say you're the reason why I prosper. You're what I owe my bowing down to, my time, my energy, my resources. My talents are going in different directions and not to the God of heaven. He says, reduce all those altars to dust. Then your sins will be forgiven and covered. Then I won't hold it against you. In other words, destroy all your idols so I'm the only one standing. And when you tell these other people that want your interests, that want you to bow down, I can't because I have to go serve the God I owe everything to. Now your faith and worship is pure. Now you got it right. Now no one can keep you from the house of God because you're coming as an act of gratitude and not because it's a religious thing to do. So he tells her there, he tells the Pharisee, Jesus answered the Pharisee in verse 40. We're reading Luke 7, verse 40. Simon, Pharisee, I have something to say to you. I love those words. And he replied, teacher, tell me. are your thoughts. He says, verse 41, a certain money lender had two debtors who owed him 500 denarii. And the other 50. One owed 500, the other 50 when they had no means of repaying the debts, he freely forgave them both. The premise is that they're coming to what they owe and not having means to repay. He released and forgave them both. So which of them would love the master more, the lender more? If, if, if two, one owed 500 denarii, the other one 50, 10%, out of both of them that were forgiven, who would have greater affection? And he answers right. He says, look. Simon answered, the one I take it for whom he forgave more. Jesus said, you have decided Correctly. So if we have a congregation of people who come to the table and all across the board, there's an understanding that the the debt is paid in full. That's what Jesus said on the cross. It is paid in full. Tetelestai, the the Hebrew word, the, the Greek Aramaic word. He says, Tetelestai, it is finished. I forgave Mauricio Chiriboga's sins. He said that from the cross. I forgive Jurgen's sins. Well, Mauricio's only lived 20 years. Jurgen has lived twice a lifetime. Who loves the Lord more? And the Pharisees, I guess, Jurgen, because more has been forgiven, he's been released of more debt. So who loves more? He says, I I gather it has to be Jurgen. Him who more is forgiven loves more. He says, you have decided correctly. Verse 44, then turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came to your house and you failed to use the usual courtesies. You gave me no water for my feet, which was normal. You forgot to do even what's normal. You gave me no water. She has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Demonstrating her love. Verse 45, you gave me no welcome kiss. But from the moment I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not even anoint my head with oil. But she has anointed my feet with costly perfume. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. Listen, I'm not going to tell you that the people that are not coming to church have not been forgiven much. They equate that what God has done for them is not enough sufficient for them to be faithful to him in everything. In other words, what God did for me, I'm sure he did for the vast expanse of people for 38 years whose life was similar to mine. But like one of the lepers who came back and nine who took off, that leper had to understand something. One out of ten came back to say thank you, and so the debt we have is of gratitude. What is that? Serving the Lord because an expression of His goodness in our lives. What what can what can I do for God for what He's done for me? A lifetime over could not come and equate sufficiently for me to lay down at His feet and give Him the worship due to His name. Jesus is trying to transmit this to this Pharisee who is capturing that Jesus reads the hearts of men. Verse 47. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who's forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Verse 49 those who were reclining at the table with him began saying amongst themselves, who is this who forgives sins? Verse 50, Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Go in the direction of the blessing of God. Here he comes again in Matthew eighteen twenty-one and tells Peter, Peter says, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother? And he says, I say to you, seven times seventy, not seven times, but seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of God, here it goes again, verse 23, Matthew 18, 23. The kingdom of God is like a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. Verse 24, when he began the accounting, this this is phenomenal that you would go back to the balance sheet today, after you hear this message. Start enumerating the things of which Christ came to hang on the cross. Isaiah 53 has an expression of the harsh realities of crucifixion. And he was smitten for our transgression. He was beaten for our iniquity. He became the man of sorrows. He, was, he, was, he took upon himself the complete sentencing report of what we owed when he had settled one was brought to him who owed 10,000 talents verse 24 10,000 verse 25 but because he could not repay his answer ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and everything that he possessed everything was coming down and payment to be made so the slave fell on his knees and begged him saying have patience with me, verse 26, I'll repay you everything. His master's heart, verse 27, was moved with compassion. This is the year of compassion. And he released him and forgave him the debt. He canceled. He said, paid in full. You don't owe me a single penny. How, how good does it feel when you're released of your debts? It feels great. Woo! I don't, I don't owe nothing. I can sleep at night. I have peace. I have joy. I have tranquility. No more anxiety. No more worry. And he says his heart, the master's heart was moved and forgave the dead. Verse 28. But the same person turned around and found a fellow servant who owed him a hundred denarii, from 10,000 to hundred. And he said to him like this. He seized him and began choking him. Pay what you owe, verse 28. Verse 29, so his fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him earnestly, have patience with me, I will repay you. Verse 30, but he was unwilling and he went and had him thrown into prison until he paid back the debt. When his fellow servants saw what happened, they were deeply grieved and they went and reported this to the master who had canceled his debt, everything that had taken place. The master said, call that servant, verse 32, and told him, you wicked, corrupt servant, I forgave you all your debt because you begged me. Should you not have had mercy on your servant who owed you little by comparison? As I have had mercy on you, verse 34, and in wrath, his master turned him over to the torture chambers until he paid all that he owed my heavenly Father will also do the same to every one of you if each one does not forgive what your brother owes you as a debt. Is that God in heaven? I don't think that's the God they're preaching today. They're saying, oh, God's not going to do nothing. You're seriously mistaken. God is moved with compassion to pay debts in full. And to release you to have a debt of gratitude. But if you want other things to happen. Might be the case. That you'll be on a different score sheet. You'll be on a different scenario. Colossians 2.14. He canceled the certificate of debt. That was against us. Which was hostile to us. And this certificate he has set aside completely. Removing it by nailing it to the cross. He did a very powerful thing in canceling the charges against us. And the psalmist says, according to your mercy and love, you have had great transgression to blot out my iniquity, my sin. And so I think I found here the artery that is affecting humanity. As we preach the gospel, men have lost conscience of the debt they owe before God. And they're expecting God, what has God done for me lately? Well, you better take a good look at that cross, sir. Because there lies your release and the blotting out of all your sins that stand before God. If we're not preaching this gospel, we're preaching a defective gospel and people stop walking in gratitude. As I read Psalm 103, verse 1, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. You said, I want to worship this God from whom all these blessings come from. Verse 2, bless the Lord, O my soul. Don't forget what he's done for you. Don't forget how good he's been to your family. I've sat before men who have been raised in this church. I said, since you were a little boy, till you became a man, we helped you become a champion. You owe a debt of gratitude. But we're in a generation where there's no conscience. They don't know how and whom they owe gratitude and honor. And that's not the spirit of Christ. That could never end up in the right place. Then one man says, look, I come from South America and I work hard and I'm sending my tithe of my hard-earned work. what The portion I give to God, I'm going to send it to South America. I go, really? You're going to eat here, live here, drink here, be blessed here? Why don't you go try that at Burger King? Go to Burger King, order, and try to pay at McDonald's. And I guarantee you, they're not going to have it your way. But we've lost our mind. And our children don't have consciousness because their parents are wicked. They forgot to transfer the understanding of value. If you're receiving, it's only normal that you would ask that you owe a debt of gratitude. We're not going to impose upon you. We're not going to make it mandatory. We would be insane to be losing our lives for free to then turn around to ask you to remunerate us. You could never do that. And we're not here because of what you do. We're here because of what he has done. And that's why there's no bitterness in our heart. Because all of it has been given from above. We can't turn around and hold a person responsible for what they do not. Don't forget his benefits. What are the benefits? Verse 3. He forgave you all your iniquities. You can't bless the Lord if you don't understand. He's released you from everything you will ever do against Him. So now your worship is pure. Because it's flowing from a heart of gratitude and not imposed and not religious. And not because somebody else is doing or not doing it. As for me and my house, we're always going to remember the goodness of God. His mercies, His everlasting goodness who heals you all your diseases. If we see the benefits we have received, we're not walking in the debt of obligation to religious spirit, but in a free expression of gratitude. How much could I lay down my life to show God I love him? I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I'm I'm desirable, appreciative. Verse 4. We bless the Lord because He redeems our life from destruction. He crowns us with loving kindness. His tender mercies are continually unfolding towards us. Verse 5. He has a plan with our children, our children's children. He satisfies our mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. You never get old, stressed out, and anxious. There's an expectation of goodness. Verse 6. Even executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He's standing up when people try to take advantage of us and move contrary to us. Verse 7. He made known his ways to Moses. His acts to the children of Israel. He's made us insiders to the family secret recipe. Colonel Sanders has kept his chicken fried recipe to himself. Christ has shared. That's what we were seeing yesterday at this wedding celebration. Who are we that God has taught our sons and daughters how to put marriage together? How to live in an indestructible covenant of unity and peace in his blessing. God is so faithful. I think I'm done this morning. I think I've done a good job. You've sat there and listened. I expect there to be a revisiting of Isaiah 53. That this man who died on the cross, who was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows and pain, acquainted with grief, they hid their faces from him. He was despised and not appreciated his worth and esteem. He bore our griefs, Isaiah 53, 4. He carried our sorrows and pain, yet we ignorantly assumed that he was stricken and struck down by God and degraded and humiliated. But the correct thing is, verse 5, he was wounded for our transgression. He was crushed for our wickedness, our injustice, our wrongdoing, the punishment punishment of our well-being fell upon him. By his stripes we were healed. Verse 7 continues to describe this horrible scenario. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet did not open his mouth. Like a lamb, he went to the slaughter. Like a sheep, he was silent before his shears. He did not open his mouth. He didn't say, I didn't do that. Renee Carroll did. He didn't say that. He says, I'll take Renee's and I'll take Joey's. I'll take caracals I'll take Sam's. I'll take Noah's. I'll take Samuel's and Julian's. I'll take all those sins upon me. Even Richard and I, oh, my God. All those expressions of what the devil wanted to do with these men went upon Christ. All of it on Christ. And so the debt is not of what we owe or what we've done, but is one of intense, profound Undeniable, uncompromising gratitude. And you cannot bring gratitude in the heart of an ungrateful man who credits nothing that he's received to no one because he's serving himself. The spirit of the age, men will be lovers of self. But in everything, giving thanks to God. He was oppressed. He was taken away. Verse 9. His grave was assigned amongst the wicked. He was with a rich man in his death because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. I just want to make sure that when you are at the table transacting the report, the balance sheet of income, and, outcomes and debts forgiven and debts paid that you have a zero balance and that the debt of your gratitude would be so overwhelming that it will mark your heart your mind not with justification and excuses but with an eternal debt of gratitude that we owe the God of heaven his son Jesus Christ and the God Holy Spirit Father thank you for this Morning, the house of God we've come we've understood we want to walk in that reality everything that's ever been done against us is forgiven we forgive the debt of others as you have forgiven our debt Lord we have no reason to hold anything out of what is owed to us by anyone before the mighty provisions of the cross for all our debt transgression iniquity rebellion disobedience was satisfied by the blood of the lamb by the lamb of god who takes away the sins of the world as far as the east is from the west you have taken away our sins from us allow us to walk in the wholesome expression of a gratitude and thankfulness that is unending where the devil has no part in our lives in any direction pray your blessing upon your people this week lord Give us everything according to your measure of goodness. You said that you have been exceedingly abundantly above in your provision of goodness. And we could ever, ever imagine, Lord. And forgive us our sins. Allow us to come to the place where we acknowledge what you've done for us. No little matter. No insignificant demonstration from heaven. No hiccup or, or speed bump. But an incredible labyrinth of this separation from you that you have reconciled us with yourself through your son in Jesus name we pray and the people of God say amen amen and amen